Last fall, Southern and Northern California experienced the worst fires in its recorded history. While the fires have ended, the aftermath and efforts to rebuild continue. One of the areas hit hard in Northern California was the Redwood Valley, a couple hours north of San Francisco. We're speaking with Katrina Fry of Fry Vineyards today about California after the fire, lessons from a biodynamic vineyard. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. Fires are part of the ecological cycle, even necessary in the cycle of life. And yet, the devastation last year's California's fires left behind was unprecedented. How do we reconcile that? And what can we learn from such an event? And how can we still help in the effort to restore what was lost? I can't think of a better person to speak about all of it than Katrina Fry one of our wise elders, who was literally in the middle of the fire when it broke out in the Redwood Valley. California after the fire, lessons from a biodynamic vineyard, all that and more coming up in just a minute, here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm your host, Helge Helberg, and this show is made possible by Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And by Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Each garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com.
And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. California after the fire. Lessons from a biodynamic vineyard. That's our topic in this hour. And with me now is Katrina Fry, the owner and founder of Fry Vineyards, who's joining me on the call from Redwood Valley, one of the areas hit very hard during the Northern California fires. Katrina, are you with us? I am. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. Thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. I know you're still knee-deep in efforts, even months later now, many, many, many weeks after the fire have been extinguished in the rebuilding. But let's start with the fire itself, if you can give us a picture. In fall of last year, Northern California, the worst fire in its recorded history. How did it start for you? How do you get the, did the, get the call? Did you actually get a call? Or where were you at and what, what happened? Yes, Helga, I was asleep. It was about 12.30 Monday morning, um, so 12.30 a.m. And I woke up and I believe that something told me that things were not right. I looked outside and there was a strange glow in the sky so I walked out to the edge of our meadow and the wind was howling but it was howling away from us towards the ridge that separates Redwood Valley from Potter Valley and the entire top of the ridge was inflamed but again the the wind was blowing towards Potter Valley and my heart was in my mouth thinking of our friends and neighbors in Potter Valley but I didn't feel threatened and but as I watched it it rapidly spread along the ridge top from in both directions. So I went back in and woke up my husband, Jonathan. We had a friend spending the night. We were all standing out watching it and worrying. And our friend Chris said, you know, I'm going to get out of here. I have a hard time with smoke. So he took off to go back to the coast. And five minutes later, he said, get everyone up. There's fire along West Road, which is two miles from our house. So during that time that we were watching the fire, we had no idea that it was creeping around the base of the mountain and heading towards us by a circuitous route. So then the cell phones and landlines began serious communication, trying to wake everyone up. We live on the Fry Ranch, which was filled to the brim with bodies that night because it was the middle of our grape harvest. And Mm -hmm. we have interns coming from all over the world and family members who come to help us. Um, So we had 64 people on the ranch that night, ranging from my 93-year-old mother-in-law, Biba Fry, to my one-year and 11-month-old granddaughter, Iris. And... Somehow, we managed to wake everyone up. People ran from household to household to make sure that no one was still sleeping. And we had, at that point, about 20 minutes um, to grab things. Um, there's a huge... Because the wind at that moment was blowing from the other side towards you, right? The fire the towards you. The wind had changed, yeah. and mm-hmm. we could see the fire racing down the mountain. So... Um, People grabbed what they could, uh, the dogs, the cats, the children, and um, I had a few minutes to grab a box with passports and birth certificates and some of my mother's jewelry, and 
just by chance I had a not unpacked suitcase. I had just come back from a trip, so I grabbed my suitcase, and we threw everything in the car. And by then, there was only one way out of Redwood Valley, which is to go up Tomkai Road, up a mountain. It, the road turns to dirt, and then you go, you go down the other side of the mountain. You go across seven very rough dream bed crossings that normally you would never even think of attempting if you were not in a four-wheel drive. But that night, we had a huge caravan of neighbors. There were probably 100 cars. I found myself right in the middle of the caravan, driving our Prius, of all things, but managed to switch drivers at some point. (laughs) My husband, who's a, a better driver under those circumstances than I am, drove us safely to Willits. But as we were leaving, we were starting to feel ash raining down upon us, and we could hear propane tanks popping, and we could we could actually hear the roar of the fire. It sounded like a freight train coming towards us. Where would you go? Like what, what in, in a moment like that, to have the consciousness to grab your passports and your birth certificate i'm sure the mom and you kicked in and you you just know automatically what's the most important thing to at least have uh kids and animals and passports brilliant in a way uh in total survival mode but where would you go from the car uh driving to what hotels or how, well, how would you well, know we we drove um we drove down our long driveway and on to our only road, really, that you can go turn right and head to Ukiah, to 101, but just a mile down the road, there was a wall of flames. So you could turn to the north, and after um, 45 minutes of negotiating this very difficult terrain, the dirt roads and stream bed crossings, you get to the town of Willits. And by then, they had an evacuation center um, at the Willits High School waiting for everyone. So somehow word word passed from car to car. Meanwhile, um, the fire was raging its way through Redwood Valley. And I think one of the reasons that we didn't have more fatalities is because of cell phones. So even as people were fleeing and out of their houses, they could still call friends and neighbors in an attempt to wake them up. There was absolutely no reverse 911 call. There was no fire siren. It was unprecedented chaos. But I have a, a beautiful story about one of our employees lives in southern Redwood Valley. They were not in danger of the fire, but they were aware of what was going on. And our employee's wife started calling her her friend who runs the local coffee shop to wake him up to tell him it was you know time to leave and she didn't get an answer and she didn't get an answer so she loaded up her eight rescue dogs into her van and drove against the whole line of people walking with their horses and their farm animals trying to get them to safety so she drove directly into the path of the fire turned onto her friend's driveway and by then the fire was down at the bottom of the mountain behind his house the meadow was on fire and she banged and banged on his door woke him up his partner their two-year-old son 
he ran next door and woke up his in-laws. They ran next door and woke up a neighbor. And as they were fleeing, the back walls of all three houses were already engulfed in flames. So I said to her, Angie, you are so brave. And she said, well, I'd do it again. So I really hope someone writes a story at some point. Sadly, not everyone made it. Just on our road alone, there are five fatalities and um, another four um, in Redwood Valley. So we we had nine people die in our little community of 3,000 people and 360 houses burned to the ground. It's, it's a staggering loss, and it's hard to fathom how the community is going to recover. Some of those people were renters. There's absolutely no assurance that the houses they rented will be rebuilt for them. Some of the people are retired and in their 70s and 80s we've been hearing stories that they're not going to try to rebuild it's just too much effort at this point and it's still very early days the um, army corps of engineers just completed the debris removal on the fry ranch um, this last week and there's still some other rural properties that have not yet been Yeah, let's talk about what you found. And this is an organic conversation. I'm speaking with Katrina Fry, the executive director of Fry Vineyards, all organic and biodynamic vineyard, uh, first one in the country. Uh, in this episode of An Organic Conversation on California After the Fire Lessons from a Biodynamic Vineyard. When were you allowed to return and what did you find? Um, we weren't allowed to return for a week, um, but Part of our family managed to get back the the very next morning after the fire before the evacuation barriers were put up. So my son, my son-in-law, one of my brother-in-laws, and three nephews all found themselves back on the ranch. And by then, they couldn't go back and forth. They had to just stay there. So they remained and successfully protected the very northern part of the Fry Ranch. Our our property is a thousand acres. Two hundred and fifty of that is vineyards and the rest is forest. It's a mixed forest of redwood, oak, uh, ponderosa pine and madrone. And oak of course. So they they managed they found a submersible pump and they had a swimming pool, a neighbor who also stayed during the that night, had a water truck. So somehow they managed to preserve a whole northern end of the, of the property. So in, in what way? Fighting, fighting the fires? Or? Yeah, fighting yeah. the fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with water and with shovels. Yeah. And when you returned a week later? When we returned a week later, it was, um, it was very shocking. Um, the, the first impression is just um, death. The blackened stumps of the manzanitas, madrones, oaks, and um, conifers, as far as the eye could see in certain stretches, I, it, it was much, much worse than I imagined it possibly could be. But once, once we got to the actual property and took some breaths, 
you were able to see what had survived. In our case, we lost um, eight of ten family homes, but there were two still there. There were places that the fire didn't reach, where if you positioned yourself properly, it, it looked as though no fire had ever happened. You know, there was mm. there was still some yes. some oak trees, and um, I walked over to where my old house used to be. That was about five inches high, and it was up against an apple orchard that my husband and I planted 40 years ago. The trees looked terrible. They were scorched and burned, and I have a beehive right in the middle of the apple orchard, and to my utter amazement, I walked up to it. It showed no signs of fire damage, and there were bees flying in and out. So it it had a, a fickleness about it um, that apparently is common to fire. There, there can be um, fingers going out in different directions, and if you spread out the fingers on your hand, those areas in between mm-hmm. can be not affected by the fire. So we're, we're three and a half months later, and the way that I look at what happened at the Fry Ranch is there's, there's sort of three areas. There's the buildings, the winery office, the bottling room, uh, our tasting room, all gone, and all of the family houses. Then there's the vineyards. There was damage to about 5% of our vineyards, some that will need um, complete replanting. Some of the vines might come back. And then there's the wildlands. So, um, you know, the damage to the to the buildings and the, the human side of things is profound, and that will, it's not real clear the path forward for all those houses to be rebuilt. Um, for the winery, it, the path forward is quite clear because the silver lining for the winery is that a couple of months before the fire, we had finalized plans for a whole new production center for the winery two miles down the road. So mm-hmm. that area is fine. And and much of the harvest had already been taken place, right? You had the grapes. Mm, we were and, only halfway through oh, the halfway. harvest. Mm-hmm. And we do have severe smoke damage on some of the wines, so we won't be able to sell those wines. But um, the forest, there's already many, many signs of life. Um, the oak saplings um, that were maybe less than 12 inches in diameter uh-huh. already have shoots coming up from the bottom that are six to eight inches long already. Some of the most magnificent oak trees with a huge canopy have a few little green leaves in the midst of all of this blackened, charred canopy. So it's very puzzling. Um, Fifty years ago, my father-in-law had planted a hedge row of wild, of Rosa Canina, and they burnt to a crisp, but coming up from the roots are shoots that are four inches tall. And then um, there's a a strange orange fungus coming up around the base of many of the burned areas where there were oaks. It's it's a certain slime fungus, but and and it's not really slimy, but that's that's the category of fungus that it's in. 
but it indicates that that there's soil life, you know, that there's a mycorrhizal layer underneath that charred soil that survived. Yes, um, and we want to hear more how life between the fingers, as you so poetically put it, there, is, there was life um, spared, and that life is now again expanding in this kind of you know, back and forth of giving and taking. We're speaking with Katrina Fry, the executive director of Fry Vineyards, the all-organic and biodynamic vineyard in Redwood Valley who was hit hard by the Northern California fires in this hour of an organic conversation, California after the fire lessons from a biodynamic vineyard. Katrina, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with so much more. Again, this is an organic conversation. And I'm Helga Helberg. And we're back here to an organic conversation. Our topic in this hour is California after the fire. Lessons from a biodynamic vineyard. And we couldn't think of a better guest than Katrina Fry, the executive director of Fry Vineyards, one of our longtime partners here with an organic conversation. The website is frywine.com. Katrina, you were talking about returning to the ranch, the home, after a week after the fire or so. Um, some of your family members were able to fight the fire during that week to preserve or protect even more land. But where do you start leaning in again? What, what do you what do you begin with when you come to a f fairly or pretty much torched land and no home? Um, where do you start to rebuild? Well, um, we had several fronts. <laughs> we needed toothbrushes and places to sleep, and we leaned on our fine local community of friends, many of whom live in Ukiah, the next town just south of us. So people opened their doors to everyone, dogs, cats, children. And um, my host family was so sweet. The morning that I woke up after my first night in at their home, my friend Mary said to me, I'm going to the Ukiah co-op what kind of shampoo do you like? <laughs> so people, people figured out that those first, those first needs were, were shelter and, and clothing and food, of course. Then we had the immediate need, and they were, they were very well met, very well met by the community. Then we had the needs of the winery, because by now it's October 15th, and there are still organic growers that we typically buy grapes from who have no physical place to bring their grapes. So our wonderful fellow winemakers, many of whom have NOP, National Organic Program, certified facilities, um, contacted us and said, we'll make room for your, um, for your growers' grapes. So Barra of Mendocino, Fetzer, Bonterra, and Parducci all um, opened up their crushing 
facilities, and our growers were able to bring their grapes. And my brother-in-law, Paul, our winemaker, flew from from area to area to oversee the making of the wine to make sure it was all done to our specs of using certified organic yeast and, of course, not adding sulfites. So um, we were very humbled by this generous outpouring of help from from the winery community of Mendocino County. You know, what, what to do about the forest was more confusing. Um, luckily, we, we had a, a couple of gentle rains, and that really helped reduce the dust and the smell of the, of the burnt land all around us, and it quickly provided enough moisture for a beautiful first flush of green green to emerge against the blackened earth, and it, it was really startlingly beautiful, that contrast. Um, between those two two colors. Yeah, where where are your efforts now, um, three months later? The media has long moved on. The, the immediate um, threat or danger is gone, but the hardship is not. There are thousands of people, as you have touched on, even directly in your community in Redwood Valley, who have lost their homes, who decided not to rebuild uh, their renters or tenants who... Who knows if those houses will be rebuilt? Where where is the community at large at, and what do you see now, even three months after the the direct need still to be? Well, the county of Mendocino um, has appointed a disaster relief manager, and she's doing a marvelous job. So one of the the big efforts is to figure out what kind of resources there are for people, um, federal, state and local. So um, making sure that everyone who qualifies for FEMA assistance is able to um, do all the necessary mm -hmm. paperwork. There's various support groups for people who are Grieving. traumatized yeah. by their loss. Uh -huh. um, because there's, I, I have two employees who literally drove through flames to escape and they find themselves waking up in the middle of the night, you know, quite terrorized still by that whole experience. There's support groups, there's networks of fire survivors that get together every Thursday at the pizza parlor and compare notes. And, um, and then there are agricultural resource groups that are forming. We have a wonderful nonprofit in Potter Valley called the Oak Granary, And that refers to the acorn woodpeckers' collection of oaks that they store, uh -huh. of acorns that they store in oak trees. And they're remarkable in how many they'll store during a, a typical season. So the, the oak granary people went out and, with us in mind, collected acorns from exactly the same elevation that we're in. And on December 12th, um, showed up to replant those, or not replant, but to plant those acorns. And uh, 40 people showed up, volunteers, and we had a biologist there who talked about the importance of oaks in the California landscape. Three bald eagles flew over as we were all gathering, which is quite unusual. <laughs> We've seen a lot of raptors the first few months, and I think they were 
scavenging, you know, for the sadly for the dead animals that had perished during the during the fires. But anyway, we we planted those acorns. They they haven't emerged yet, but we're certainly hoping that some of them will. And in the meantime, we're also learning so much about oak trees. One of the things that the biologist told us is that California scrub jay typically gathers and then plants in the ground 5,000 acorns a year. So um, we're thinking that next year, if we have a good acorn crop, we probably won't even have to have to bother going out to replant acorns because our resident population, which still seems to be quite strong, will take care of it for us. <laughs> so, well, nature always fixes itself, and yet there is, yeah. you know, we are we are part of nature as a species. And sitting back now, being out of the immediate harm's way, even though still knee deep in restorative efforts, but as a biodynamic farmer, how has this fire affected you? You know, we know that fire is necessary. We know it's inevitable. And we also see the destruction. And how do you hold both? How do you reconcile that? That's a wonderful question. And it, it pushes me back to the principles of biodynamics, which is to create a balanced, diverse ecosystem characterized by, you know, a microbially active soil good insect populations, beneficial insects, um, a system that's going to store carbon in the ground where it should be. So um, we think that it's possible that some of the top layer of carbon of our vineyards, it's only, I mean, only for us is, you know, four or five acres could be damaged. So we're really focusing on creating compost right now. We're about to purchase a, a big, um, industrial wood chipper. Mm. We still have our pummies from the harvest, so we're going to make a special effort to make even more compost than we usually do. We'll inoculate that with the special herbal biodynamic preparations for compost piles, and we'll, um, we'll spread an extra few inches on those um, four to five acres that took a direct hit during the fire. We're, we're trying to listen and to observe, which is, the, which is another principle yes. of biodynamic agriculture. And it, it's really, we, we sort of almost feel like babes in the wood, but we're trying to, because everything's so different, but we're trying to listen carefully to what nature is telling us and, you know, to try to gain direction from, from what we hear. Have you had moments of bitterness? Um about bitterness i've certainly had moments of profound sadness it seems that the biodynamic principles are so deeply rooted in you now that you are truly accepting the fire even though of course you you know the the loss is tremendous and the people loss is devastating and yet there is an acceptance of that it happened it happened and it will happen again nature Nature has its cycles, and it, it needs that. We need the destruction, and we need the rebuilding, or it is as much a biodynamic principle as it is a, a natural principle. Isn't that, isn't that, that true? That's absolutely true. I mean, particularly in California, you know, the California landscape has always, like you say, been shaped by fire. Yeah, I was, I was also thinking about 
um, the basic preparations for biodynamic farming. You have the 500, which is based on the activity and life below the ground, and then the 501, which is the life and activity that goes on above the ground with the sunlight and photosynthesis and growth, Mm -hmm. whereas the below ground is um, hummus formation and decay and mineralization. And this fire affected both strata because there are places where it it burned so deeply that the soil texture has changed. It, it seems more brittle. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the above ground is obvious that with the charred stumps everywhere. So we'll be sure to apply our biodynamic preparations. Um, I also, though, have a belief that a soil that was extremely healthy and happy before the fire will have the strength and resilience to recover faster than a, a soil that was deplete and basically dead of microbes. Yeah, well, only humans create these artificial boundaries that we call borders, even though there might be areas that were not affected and other areas that were heavily affected. There is a dance between those two, right? And mm-hmm. as life will re-enter, it will enter through these pockets where life survived. It will spread out again if you create the environment to invite it back. Yeah, uh, that's which so is true. which is what you're doing right now. We're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about the greatest lesson for you. You had a rich life. You're a leader in the organic movement. Again, I'm speaking with Katarina Fry, the executive director of Fry Vineyards out of Redwood Valley, one of the areas heavily hit by the Northern California fires last year, last fall, in this episode of An Organic Conversation, California After the Fire Lessons from a Biodynamic Vineyard. And we're coming kind of full circle. I do want to ask you for the lessons. You have always been a very wise voice on this show for years and and in your community and really throughout the entire organic and biodynamic movement. Having something this devastating so close, uh, what is the greatest lesson for you? Or how have your values shifted or been reconfirmed by this event? Oh, Helga, it has been profound for me um, personally. First, of course, I celebrate that our family didn't didn't lose any lives. You know, it just uh, it was very close. One of my sons turned the wrong way and met the wall of fire with his car filled with his family and his five-year-old son. And as he was turning to flee back in the direction that we all ended up fleeing, in, a burning oak tree fell across the road in front of him, and he had a four-foot shoulder of the road that he managed to drive through so you know daily i celebrate the fact that we're all alive the other really beautiful thing for me is the huge network of support and love that i have felt all around me since this has happened and i think for the first time um in my life i i often think of the it is more blessed to give than to receive proverb but for me right now i feel like it's it's really a blessing for me to learn how to receive the encouragement and um, support and love all around me wonderful yes community and you are a very loving and giving person that's why we have been friends for over 20 years but but it is extreme situations do 
bring new lessons and I can I know what you mean I, I know you well to then say now I'm learning to receive because as a very giving person that is not easy to do and you don't have a choice right now you you have to receive beautiful even in higher age the lessons of life never seems to seem to stop coming it sure makes you realize that life is not predictable <laughs> Yes. How can people help? Uh, I know it's a it's very much a strong community effort, and it seems like the community is completely has stepped up and is stepping up. Uh, but we are listened to in many areas throughout the U.S. and far beyond. What is what is something a community from the outside or somebody from the outside could could offer right now? Thank you, Helga. We have eighteen full time homeless employees at Fry Vineyards. So we have set up a Fry Vineyards employee fund that is um, held under the umbrella of a local nonprofit called North Coast Opportunities, and um, contributions can be made to them if someone feels so moved. Their address is 413 North State Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. And those funds will go to helping our employees who are most in need of a housing solution. North Coast Opportunity, and um, it's the Fry Vineyards Employee Fund, is that yeah. right? It's North Coast Opportunities. Okay, yeah. more than one, yes. Yeah. Great. Um, and we'll certainly set that up on Facebook as well. Thank you. That is Katrina Fry, again, the Executive Director of Fry Vineyards out of Redwood Valley, one of the areas hit by the California fires last fall, California after the fire, lessons from a biodynamic vineyard. Katrina, good luck in your efforts, and thank you for giving a voice now that the media has long moved on to creating a really, really um, detailed and, and beautiful, hopeful picture of where those communities and your community is at right now, and I'm sure we'll revisit that topic again and have you back soon. Thank you. Speak soon. Take care. Yes, the cycles of life, the seasons of life, and life can and will bounce back if we allow it and if we invite it. And that is true for our personal health as well through the right diet. In this case, an organic diet based on mainly or mostly or entirely fruits and vegetables. Here is the update from the produce doc of what is coming to your retail store, how to navigate the produce aisle, what's the best buy you can purchase right now, how do you look for it, how do you pick it, how to choose it, what to do with it. Here is what's in season. And after weeks of hearing expert voices from Earl's Organic Produce, the prime distributor wholesaler of only organic fruits and vegetables out of San Francisco for Northern California and beyond, I think we have the man himself back on. <laughs> I hear it. Yes. Earl, do we have you on the line? Yes. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a, been a few weeks. Yeah. Where have you been? What happened? <laughs> well, I've, I've been. Uh, wow. Well. I'm enjoying all the people that, that work here and everything that we're doing. And, you know, it's funny, uh, I, I say Happy New Year for, I think, about two months after the New Year At breaks. At least, 
Yes. Uh, and uh, so Happy New Year. Yes, um, you, too, you too. We are fully in 2018. And oh boy, uh, we had uh, Ethan and Anthony and Rodrigo, all your specialty buyers on the show many times and yeah. in the last few weeks, because yeah. so many different aspects have come up of their expertise. It's far beyond just their list of buying of what they're experts in, in terms of produce, but community. We talked about mudslides and fire. And I know you sent an entire truckload of food up into the fire to help first responders responders and community to get fed. And the fabric of life, of course, in crisis comes up the most, but it's really amazing to see how your team is truly part of Earth's Organic. It's not just a job. It's a link in this chain of responsibility and opportunity, critical and interesting how in a crisis like the fires in Northern California, that really shows. Organic agriculture, sustainable organic agriculture is about so much more than just food, right? Well, I, I love the word you just used there, uh, links, yeah. because that's that That is absolutely so true, and also the use of the word fabric. This is, <laughs> it resonates through the entire, not only industry, but I can certainly talk about our company. Yes. You know, those three people that you mentioned, they represent collectively over 50 years' experience. <laughs> and and they come from wow. all walks of life. I mean, Anthony's from Vermont and Pittsburgh. Ethan grew up in Maine. Uh, he worked for me years ago, left, worked at a couple other produce companies, and came back. And then Rodrigo, you know, from Chile, he used to have his own company, worked for Whole Foods for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And so their varied background is an incredible contribution, not only to what we do, but to everybody to whom we speak and serve. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a, a in, glorious in, affair in knowledge and heart right i mean having these three yes. gentlemen on the show the it's what's between what they're saying is critical and what's between the lines is as critical because their care is almost assumed at this point i mean the way they yes. speak about community and organic food and global warming and agriculture and carbon sequestration and health and community all of it is part of their job they they know that when they buy whether they're in that moment conscious about it or not but every single organic carrot changes the world and it's completely clear that they are aware of that it's beautiful what i just heard there was their contribution of their heart yes. i mean everybody uh, has that and the ability to have them individually express themselves is just it's a gift um, you know, one of the things I want to uh, really get into today is we had a, a major passing, yes. if you will, yes. if you will, someone that's been is familiar to your listeners and to this uh, show is uh, Christy Biddle. Yes, I think she's been in the show uh, several times, a dozen times in, in the studio yes. with full length episodes and several, that's several right. uh, segments, of course. And she's been with you for what, 10 years? Well, it was 11 Wow. And uh, she she gave notice at the in uh, right around Thanksgiving and left at the end of the year, and you know, I, I can't say I was shocked because uh, here's a bright, inventive, curious woman who's with me for 11 years, and I knew that you know she has the opportunity of a lifetime going any any particular way, and it was interesting for me to reflect as that termination that 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 date of departure came mm, closer yes. I, I kind of came into for me a lot of things came into focus as to what she meant to me to the company to everybody that she serves so yes. a, a quick reflection is she she came uh, as a receptionist and and learned several different functions how, how old was she, she roughly super young right when she 
started, she was 23. Yeah. <laughs> and hardly in the workforce, a college yes. graduate out of Santa Cruz, uh, receptionist for a number of years, and, and that really was a slash administrative assistant to me, mm-hmm. and her value is immediately apparent, and she just gobbled up all everything that came her way. She was in a catbird seat of talking to everybody that called in, of course, and as she ascended to being a buyer, her value, of course, just escalated because she was able to, you know, kind of sink her teeth into more and more stuff. And as I reflected about her departure, some things became really clear to me is why did she gross in such a manner? Why did we, everybody here, appreciate her so? And how and why did everybody that she touched enjoyed her? And the main thing that came from for me was engagement. This person, as she continues to be where she is now, uh, is totally engaged in whatever she's involved. Mm-hmm. And it became so apparent and for me as her mentor, that it allowed me, she kind of gave me license to be fully expressive and to challenge her and just to continue to relieve myself of information because here was this person just absolutely hungry for it. Hmm. And as she absorbed it, she applied it and continued to learn, you know, yeah, she never got defensive. Yeah, any- I mean, gi- gigantic spirit, and um, what you're saying is, I always, uh, as a as a coach, say we manifest in the presence of the other. Like we have, you know, we have people around us that kind of bring out the best in us, and then reflect that right back to us. And of course, you are an amazing mentor. You have been one for me for to me for 20 years plus. You do you do that automatically. And Christy, what a match then with this yeah. absolute booming, blooming personality, you know, will change the world with whatever she does, as you said. And, and, and yet you gave her that foundation. And yeah, we do. We, not that we ever took her for granted, because I always enjoyed her here on the show and, and otherwise. But we do get used to that in a way. And when it's, when it's then moving on, which is just part of life, of course, at one point, everything ends. To reflect on that is, is just beautiful. She is an absolute gem as a person and as a, as a change agent, truly. If there was ever a definition of a change agent for me, Christy is that. Yeah. You know what it was is that she was able to understand expectation and set goals and then readjust them as time went on and always going for it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely <laughs> amazing that this this person was always willing to take on the next thing. If and, and as her mentor, I was able to just bust out any limitations that I was putting on myself. And I was allowing myself to go... I want her to be a better buyer than I ever was. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. And she was absolutely game. Well, and a great reminder for us to stop for a moment and say, who have we not appreciated, right? Those moments of of loss in a way, because it is a loss. You, you're no longer working with her, and yet... You know, I'm excited for her next role, of course. But in that moment of becoming aware that nothing is for granted and everything will end, who are we not appreciating? Who who are we not thinking about long enough to really see their genuine value as everyone in your team brings a, a very specific personal quality to the work that makes Earl's, in this case, what it is? But really in life for all of us, as a message to our listeners for this year, right? Can we approach this this year and this life with more appreciation and awareness around who's who's making our days, who's making our life meaningful? You know, 
Yeah, and you know, if we can use passion as part of that vocabulary, yes, when we <laughs> when we live our life. I mean, for me, I, I I interview everybody that we hire, and I look for the opportunity that this might be for this person <laughs> to express their passion and be creative. And, and, and she was one of those people that manifested that. And you certainly couldn't tell in the very beginning. And then she just kept on growing. <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful match. And I'll tell you, she's not totally unique. And I don't, that's by no means taking anything away from her. If anything, that's a further acknowledgement of the people that work here. We have yes. an incredible collection of people that... Uh, they're emotionally connected, and I think that's a very key to whatever we choose to do, to allow ourselves to be emotionally connected. We will, uh, I think we will not only give, but we will get an extraordinary amount out of what we participate in when we're connected emotionally. Yes, cheery-eyed, right back to the beginning of this conversation, heart, <laughs> right? All your people that I had on in the last few weeks, what they bring between the lines is their heart. And if we can all just bring our hearts to work and life and our neighbors and one another, we'll be so much, we'll be so much better for it, actually, and the world, of course, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what an opportunity, you know? I mean, no, no kidding. Be able to express your heart, you got to trust, right? You got to be in a safe place, and uh, or be okay with being vulnerable, you know. But that's right. Follow your heart. Yes, yeah. always. It's not worth it otherwise. What is this yeah. life for? Beautiful. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that reminder and for that story. And um, I know you will attract another amazing talent that you will groom and be a mentor for. You're kind of a, a birthing place, a nursery, not just for <laughs> <laughs> organic produce, like but for one. organic people. Thank you for all your work, Earl. I'll see you soon. Helga, great <laughs> talk to you as always. I'll see you real soon. Here's to, here's to 2018. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye now. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. And Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Every garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. Also, Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef? Have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? Anyone can buy directly from Earl's Organic. 
at wholesale prices. The website is earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. Lastly, thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Organic Conversation and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.